Simplified Chaos, episode 153. Life is beautiful and full of chaos. And it can get slightly out of hand if that shit's not tamed. We're here to share how to simplify the little things to help you lead a more intentional life. This is Simplified Chaos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Simplify Chaos. This is Jillian, one of your hosts, and I'm with Nicholas, my co-host. What's going on, folks? Greetings from Delaware. We have another great episode here for you today. This one is an interview episode. Jilly, who did you have a chance to sit down with this week? I was so honored to be able to chat with Missy Willis. She is a mom of two kids and a nurturer to all. She was able to share her unique journey on how she came to homeschool her children, or some may call it unschooling. It's a form of homeschool. And we dive into parenting. We talk about child development, um, homeschooling or unschooling, and just all the juicy lessons that she has learned along the way. And it's so, so, so good. Yeah. So... Let's go ahead and grab your popcorn or pay attention to the road. <laughs> and here is Jill's interview with Missy. Hi, Missy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> I am so, so pumped to chat with you. But before we dive in to your journey, your life, and all the goods that you um, are going to share with us, we always like to start every episode with gratitude. So I would love it if you could just share um, what's one thing that you are grateful for today. Oh, well, that's easy. So my son, who uh, he's 19, he was gone for five days. So he came back today. So I'm very, very grateful he's home. Oh, where did he go? He went on, um, he actually was in his very first wedding. <laughs> so oh he was gosh. away with some friends and, um, and, and was in a wedding this weekend. So that was mm. a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I'm, I haven't gotten all the details yet. So that that's my plan this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I'll, I'll get the lowdown. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I am grateful for you saying yes to, to chatting with me on our podcast. I'm just so thrilled to learn more about you. And um, another thing I'm grateful for is that I was able to escape right now. I'm in Delaware visiting my in-laws. So I have designated quote unquote babysitters, which is right. <laughs> really nice because usually you podcast at night when she's asleep, but now it's mm. like, I can do it during the day. Yay. Right. Right. <laughs> and do you feel more fresh, I guess, during the day too, right? <laughs> I am definitely a morning creative bird. Uh, but like I have to, um, it forces me to get the creative juices flowing when I know it's like podcast night. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. I got to like refresh on like the topic you know, I, all the things. So my mind is like ready to go, but I definitely do a lot more. I'm better, more productive with the good work in the morning than at night. Mm. That's me though. Yep. Yep. That makes sense for me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well rested and can go at it. Yes. And you know, fresh coffee in hand and like <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a coffee. We're big coffee snobs here. So we're all about like the coffee coffee oh, life too. Yeah. <laughs> I actually put a little note on my uh, Instagram story one day out of curiosity because somebody said something about tea and other people said something about tea. I was like, well, let's just check this out. And I could not believe how many more people drank tea. I was like, really? what is happening? What happened? Mm. <laughs> Coffee's been, been kicked to the curb for in, in a lot of ways. Oh man. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love tea as well. I'm from the South, 
but I don't drink sweet tea at all. I, I used to when I grew up drinking sweet tea, but that changed dramatically um, as I got a little bit older. And then I enjoy, I enjoy some tea sometime at night, but mostly coffee. Same here. I like tea at night, not necessarily in the morning, but it's, it's mm-hmm. nice. It's makes me feel cozy at night that I can drink something that's not going to keep me wired, but you know, right. <laughs> it feels warm, like a little yeah, warm hug. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. So I, I found you through listening to an unschooling podcast and I'm mm-hmm. diving like headfirst into homeschooling and all the things. And I, I listened to your journey on a podcast and I was like, oh my God, I need to reach out to Missy and I want to hear more. And um, I'm one of those people that I heard this, somebody else say it on a podcast and how some, when we dream, we dream through people. And I'm one of those people that when I hear people's experiences and the way they're living or how they're doing something, it's like, I want to learn more and like understand the journey to get there. And I know it's not linear. It's like, you know, up and down. And I, I love that part. Um, of people's stories to hear how they got where they are. So I am so fascinated about you and your life and however you want to start, wherever you want to start. Um, I would love just to hear more about you and how you ended up on like the homeschooling unschooling path. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's funny. (laughs) It's not expected. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Um, so I'm from Charlotte. I grew up here and, um, my husband and I met in high school and we started dating and then we separated for a while and then we got back together and we went off to our separate colleges. And then I, I knew I wanted to do something. Um, at first I wanted to do something like business, international business. And I looked at, you know, taking classes in another language and traveling the world and those sorts of things felt really exciting to me and took accounting. I thought I wanted to do, now I'm just like gross, but (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. But the funny thing is, is I loved numbers and I loved being organized and I liked putting things in categories. So my thought was that because I enjoyed that sort of thing, then I would really like to do people's taxes. I don't know. And as I got more and more into that world in school, I realized I was miserable. Um, and I think for the first time in my life, maybe even experienced like a panic attack um, mm. because I just was like, this is not me. I don't feel good. I don't feel happy in what I'm taking. And, and you know, it was that coming to like fully listening to my body and recognizing that I was not in the right place. And it just so happened that I was taking a psychology course when all this was going down. And I loved it, like absolutely fell in love with it. Could not wait to go. Loved reading everything about it. Um, and I went to my professor, one of my, um, my guide, I guess my counselor, cause you know, everybody's, a, a, so, um, assigned a counselor, uh, to help walk them through what, what they're going to take and the, the path they're going to go. And, and I just said, I, I'm not, I'm not happy. And so they helped me make a switch. And so I switched my major to psychology and I just went full on. And so all the things about human development and human behavior have fascinated me probably since I was a little kid, because I used to notice how people behaved in different situations. I paid attention to how I felt in different situations. I was just acutely aware of when uh, an adult behaved some way towards a child and then didn't do that when another adult was around or what it looked like in a classroom setting versus in a free sort of flowy setting where there wasn't really anybody in charge. And um, so I, I just, and I used to write 
my observations down. I wrote poetry and I was very creative, I guess, in that way. Um, and so as time went on and I got uh, my degree in psychology, um, I started working on a research study through Duke Medical Center. My um, my counselor recommended me for this position, and it was a brand new study that was sponsored by the National Institute of Health on ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which was a very new world to me. Um, but I accepted the challenge and I took this job and I loved it and learned all the things about psychiatry and testing kids and interviewing parents and observing children in the classroom and observing children in like a clinical setting. And throughout all of this, I'm still in my, um, I'm, I'm not back in school yet, but then I decided to go back and get a master's in special education. So all of that to say multiple different spaces led me to the decision eventually after I had my own children to not go the traditional route and put my son in public school. Even though I had all this experience in public school and went to public school and was thinking I was going to be a teacher eventually, and that's my uh, master's program was set up in in order for me to become a special education teacher. Um, But I, I just knew I didn't want to because of all the things I had seen. It was more like I felt that my I would be happier working with children one-on-one or in small group settings. And um, so, yeah, when my son became kindergarten age, he was four, almost five. I just had my daughter. She was six months old. And I knew that uh, compulsory education wasn't until age seven in our state. So I decided that we would just try it out, not roll, enroll him in school and just see where, where it took us. And Thankfully, I will say this, and I know like you were saying earlier, hearing other people's stories, it really does support you. I did have a really close friend who I've known since high school who was already going down the homeschooling path with her two girls and unschooling was definitely what they were doing. But at the time we didn't have a name or she didn't say that, or I didn't really know. Um, but I, they were just so happy and they were so mm. free. And I was like, their lifestyle is just calm and fun and they don't have an external schedule like you know put on top of their lives that is being dictated by all these people that don't know them and so all of these things i was witnessing and feeling them just led to me deciding okay you know what we'll just give it a go and um we haven't really looked back (laughs) uh so yeah my son's now 19 and he officially graduated from our homeschool last year. So before he was 18 and it was, we, we kind of went into the summer because, um, and I say we went into the summer only to say that he was taking courses and we wanted them to finish out before we officially said, okay, now you're done. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of where we are. Oh, and my daughter's 15. She just turned 15 in March. Um, and she's, you know, doing her thing, just like he was finding his interests. Uh, they follow whatever it is that they're curious about. Mm-hmm. And I support them anytime I can and offer ideas and organize things when they, when they want me to. And so, yeah, we just, everything's very free, free flowy now. So it's very different now than it was when we first started, which we can get into more if you want to, um, what it looked like in the earlier years versus now. 
It's funny. I think I'm, I'm always more fascinated by the older years just because, so I, I was a public school educator for 12 years mm, mm-hmm. and I was certified in special ed. Um, it was K through three. I never oh, wow. served as a special ed teacher, but I was certified and I got to experience and work with, you know, all kinds of children. And I learned a lot. And I, my experience is very similar in that I was immersed in there. And I realized that when I had a child that I was just the more and more I felt this doesn't feel aligned to what I value. And I started asking a lot of questions about the system and the curriculum and like all the things, you know, down the rabbit hole I went. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt called just to homeschool. And I'm like, I feel very confident. And and I know, I think sometimes maybe it's not as confident in the younger years because, you know, that there's like all the things happening when they're that young. And then the older years are more independent. So I'm fascinated by like, when they get older, like, you know, is your daughter and son, are they getting their GED or are they going in a different direction? Cause I love all the options that there are for when they get to that age. Like they don't have to, they can, you know, find courses that don't require that. So like, I'm always fascinated by the older years. Like how do you support them as they get older towards like wanting to be on their own? Well, you know, that is a question that you ask them when they get to be closer to that high school age, simply because if you are going to go more traditional route route as far as creating a, um, a transcript Mm -hmm. and having them look like they were not look like, but have them take the courses and the things that, um, that are recommended or or necessary if they weren't were to go to college, then you kind of have to set a plan up a little bit ahead of time. And I will say with unschooling, and I wish that I would have remembered the name of this book before we started talking, but (laughs) it it was a book that somebody wrote who was an unschooling family. And she laid it all out as far as like how to organize a transcript for somebody who does unschooling. Mm -hmm. And it was a, I'll find it. I'll find it and send it to you because it it really is helpful. Um, But it gives you an insight into well, first of all, we think of learning as like a classroom and then you have a book and there's a curriculum and you do it for X number of days out of the year. And then you get a test and you do worksheets and you do all these things and you get a grade. Well, learning obviously is much broader than that. And it's much deeper than that. And that's one of the beauties of unschooling is you don't have it dictated by a bell or a, or a schedule that someone else imposed upon you or keeping up with the rest of the class. It's all about your individual needs, your abilities, your, um, you know, the time, the timeline that you create that works for you as an individual and as the learner that you are. So we looked very broadly at the things that my son was doing. And we talked about the fact that he listened to podcasts and these podcasts talked about these various topics. And these topics were related to science or social studies or history. Um, And we talked about we added the classes that he himself took because we have a um, we have a pretty good uh, homeschool community in Charlotte. There's lots of places to tap into and to plug into, and one in particular was um, through our local Y YMCA. One of a couple of moms in the homeschool community were members of the Y and they approached them and said, you know, during the day you have all this open space and we have all these homeschoolers. Would you be willing to let us? partner up with you and offer some classes here. And it ended up turning into this amazing program that was super huge. Parents were offering the classes. Some of them were really structured. Others were pretty laid back and easygoing like arts and crafts, or, you know, they would come up with an idea and 
was, it was a lot very hands-on. Mm-hmm. So he about around 14 or so decided that he wanted to look into doing those courses or those classes because he had friends that were there. And many of those classes were ones we put on his transcript because he took like a psychology course. He took um, a history, he took uh, language art. So he had to read books and write and keep in mind, these are all his decisions. Like I didn't say you have to, or you should, it was more, if you want to, here's the way it's going to look. And the good thing about it from the learning side is that the parents who were involved were all homeschooling parents. So they Mm -hmm. understood what that looked like for that, that it was necessary for the children to get out of it, what they needed to get out of it versus I need you to learn all these things. So there weren't really, they did have tests in some of them only for us to record on our end. It wasn't anything on their, their end, but he took all of those things and then decided that he did want to have a transcript so that he could enroll in our community college for um, a gaming and simulation and game development program that was offered. So in our state, you can be a junior in high school and enroll simultaneously into um, our community college. So if you were to go to the standard route with the idea that you were going to get a four-year degree, you would, you could technically finish high school and have an associate's degree at the same time. So it's a pretty good program if that's the route you're going to go and want to go. And so instead of him going the associate's degree route, he decided to go the career route and he is working right now to get um, a diploma in that uh, gaming simulation and game development, Mm -hmm. which will possibly lead to a job in that industry. Um, It definitely will set him up to have an internship in um, some place locally, or maybe he might even have to go somewhere for a little while. I don't know. We're still in, we're still working that out, but he'll at least get an understanding of what it looks like to have a job in that world. And if he decides he wants to do it, then he will. And if he decides he would like to go and get a four-year degree, he can do that too. So the biggest thing I had impressed upon him was there's no rush. We have this idea that you're done. You're 18. Now go, go and do college for four years. I'm like, why is everybody rushing into it? Just mm. give yourself a breath and let your, let your body relax into whatever it is that it is you want to do and, and live a little, you know, go out and experience the world and have some jobs here and there and decide what you don't want to do and decide what maybe does look enticing. And I, I, as someone who went to college and then went and got my master's, I, I know what that looks like. And, and I, and granted it was a long time ago, (laughs) (laughs) things are different now, Um, but I still think, you know, humans are humans and we do need that opportunity to spread our wings and interact with a variety of different people and, and settings in order to know ourselves better. A hundred percent. I think the more and more, um, I learned through life. It's just life is one big experiment. Just try something. If it, if it feels good, keep going. If not, I'm sure it'll evolve into something else. But I feel like we do put a lot of pressure in ourselves to like, to like find a career or find a future and stick with that instead of realizing that, you know, life is crazy. Like we could be really happy one minute and doing what we're doing. And the minute I want to do something different and like um, the pressure, I think that sometimes comes with sticking with the career and staying there and climbing that corporate ladder. It's, it's a lot of pressure. And, um, 
that's one of the, the reasons why I was so drawn to like unschooling. It's because it is so wild and free and led. And you wrote a blog post that I like loved. It was, if you want children to love learning, let them lead. Mm. And everything that you wrote in that blog post, like that's what I was feeling like the last two or three years of my teaching career. It was like the more that I shut up as a teacher and let them tell me what they wanted to do and build those relationships. It was like, my classroom was so different. I didn't, I didn't need quote unquote disciplinary actions. I didn't need a behavior chart. Like the classroom was just, it was like one big family. And it was the most chaotic thing you probably have ever seen. Cause there was like 26 to 30 kids, <laughs> but it felt so right. And that's something that you, it's hard to explain. It's like, it may not look how you think learning looks, but the feeling is just so right on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I bet everybody else in the classroom took a big sigh of relief. You know, they probably felt less stressed and more, in tune with them themselves and feeling uh, free to explore in ways yes. that maybe they couldn't before. Yes. And unfortunately there were, you know, external expectations being in a, a public school setting with testing mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's the stuff that was just like squishing my soul so much for me and the oh, kids. Yeah. Like, you know, I want you guys to go in the direction you want to, and I want to nurture that, but also like here are all these tests that we have to take for what purpose? I mean, it's not, not really clear to me, not really clear to you. Like that was the most frustrating part uh, about the whole process. But like, I guess, what are some challenges that you have faced or just like aha moments, like through the unschooling journey? I mean, I'm sure you've learned a lot about yourself as well as your children. So I'm just fascinated by, you know, those ups and downs that like really stand out to you. Well, I will say when I first heard unschooling and that was presented to me by my very close friend and the, and the friends that, and friends that she had in the homeschooling world before I even came along with my little boy. Um, I thought that's, that's crazy. Like, what are y'all talking about? (laughs) You can't just let your kids do that. They they need a, they need a framework. They need an adult telling them what to do. How are they going to learn? And, you know, so it's wild to think like I understood human development, understand child development. And I even understood, you know, the different levels of learning. And yet I still had what I call school think, because that's what it is. It feels like you get a hat put on your head and it's kind of tightened up (laughs) to the point where you're like, I can't really think for myself. You know, you have Mm. to follow this path and this is what we've done. This is what people have done for generations. Why would you go mess it up? Like, obviously it's working or we would have changed it already. And so I think, you know, what we've seen with the technology boom and the changes that we've seen over the last couple of decades, it is a education, the system that we have for our educational system, it needs to be disrupted. It really does because we know all of us who've participated in it to some degree have seen the problems. And when, when we have the knowledge that we have of how humans develop optimally, why are we trying to force them into a very unnatural setting? Mm. And so for me, my aha moments were watching my friend and her friends that became my friends and our small little community, just living in, in this beautiful way. It felt so, it felt so good. Like you just watch them and these kids are joyful and they're happy and they're, they're interacting with each other in ways that felt so much more natural 
you know, somebody would take the lead and somebody would then they would switch off and they would share with one another. And of course, I mean, they're children. So there's going to be some conflict, but the parents would just sort of slowly step in and help them sort it out and walk right back away. (laughs) And, you know, there were kids of all ages, little babies in arms to 12 year olds. And, you know, everybody was kind of interacting and back and forth. And that's, it just felt so um, natural. I guess is mm. what, what it felt like. And so, um, so I had to get out of my own way first and that took some time because again, like I said, you, you, you think there's a reason we do it the way we do. Why would you buck the system? You're obviously going to make it harder on yourself because it's already established. So you can just mm-hmm. plug your kid in and then he's good to go. But as we know, that's not the case. No. And there's a <laughs> lot of kids who, you know, and I watched a brother um, suffer in school quite a bit, which I know his experience influenced my desi- my desire to go and get go back to school for special education. Um, but having that experience in the classroom, and then having the knowledge that I gained through the through all those classes that I took, if anything, it just reinforced the idea that school is an option, but it's not the only option, and it's not necessarily the best option. And so we just continued to live our lives in the way that we were up until, you know, it was technically time to go to school. And I thought, well, we don't send our kids to school to read. I mean, to, to walk, we don't send them to school to talk. They do all these things by trial and error and do it within the confines of a safe container, which is our home. And then we extend it to our you know neighborhood and our community and the people that we choose to have around us. And so I I knew based on all the things I had witnessed to that point about my son, that he was going to continue to learn. And, um, but it did take time. I I would say probably he was between six, maybe six and seven is when the big switch happened for me. And I realized that I did not need to orchestrate his day and I didn't need to put a bunch of worksheets and books in front of him Mm. for him to read and to to read or learn how to read or learn anything for that matter. I instead became an observer, a better observer and watched what he gravitated towards and then realized within the interest that he had so much learning was taking place. And to the point where I felt a little like What's the word? <laughs> I, was, I was I was shocked, honestly. <laughs> it was sort of it was sort of that moment where you realize, oh my gosh, your importance is not as important as you think it is. <laughs> and 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 of course, you know, our children are born into our families and they need they need the love and support of their families. But we we do put a lot more um I guess we give ourselves a higher status as the as the adults who need to impart knowledge onto our children than mm-hmm. is necessary in so many ways. Um, so the challenges were there at the beginning. So I always joke and say that my daughter Sadie was um, 100% unschooled because her her brother like you know got got the mom in the right place. <laughs> 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 so the first child comes along, it's like you know you have to work it all out, and then the second one comes, it's like woo, smooth sailing. Um, but yeah, I will, I would say too, with going this route, the community is super important. Being able to find other families that you can spend time with that, that look at education in the same way is super helpful. And we had a lovely 
group of moms that we got together with regularly to go on outings, you know, to take trips together, uh, to visit each other's homes. And that, that does make a huge difference because you don't feel alone. And you also have other people who, who are like maybe two or three steps ahead of you. So you kind of get that chance to see, mm. okay, well, when they get to be about seven, eight, nine, these sorts of things look this way. When they get to be about 10, 11, they might start switching things up a little bit. And even though it's all child, um, you, you really do feel confident that the kids are going to lead you. There are some obvious changes that take place in children as they develop. You know, you're obviously not going to do the same thing with a 10-year-old that you would do with a five-year-old. And mm. a 15-year-old, it's going to look a little different than the 10-year-old. So paying attention to the developmental needs of the kids is certainly a, a primary consideration. And then recognizing that your role is not going to disappear. Your, your, your purpose is to be their support system, resource gatherer, um, somebody to have conversations with, to let them know you're on their side and their team and work together towards a common goal. Mm. Letting go a lot of that control. <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. When you um, decided to make the, this, when you guys decided as a family to go that route, did you guys have to make any huge changes? I know, like I could say it might be some families, like, how could I do that? If we both need to work full time or this, like, I, I feel fortunate enough that we made this option be available to us because where we used to live in Maryland, it was like, mm. we both had to work. The housing was expensive. You know, it was just like, there, there was no option for that. And we right. moved to a smaller house. We downsized tremendously. And now I have that freedom to make that choice. Did you guys have to make any big pivots to make that decision? Um, like, a, a like, um, to happen. Yeah, we, so I was working full-time before my son was born and the job that I had was actually at a school. It was a private school right down the road from us. And I took that when we first moved back to Charlotte and, um, the role that I had there was that as an assistant to the administrator. So once he, we knew he was on the way, um, I told them that I would definitely cut back my hours. And then we reorganized my position. And then actually when he got here, I decided, no, I don't want to do hardly anything. So <laughs> I wanted to focus on him. Um, but they still kept me as an employee and then I would get special projects. So I was able to just sort of tap in and tap out. And I'm talking like five hours a week, maybe max. Um, and then sometimes I was on the phone. So I, you know, I kept that as a, as an option for income, but it was definitely not a lot. And I remember telling my husband, you know, we'll, we'll just do whatever we've got to do because this is what I want to do. I want to be with him. And so, yeah, I mean, we had to make some sacrifices. We went down to one car. We got rid of a bunch of extra things. Um, we didn't take trips like we had before, before we had children. And, you know, so there were a lot of things that we, we reprioritized and restructured because my priority was focusing on being with him. And, so we are in the same house, actually, where we've been here now 20, let's see, we were 2001. So we've been here, gosh, 21 years. That's crazy. Um, and then over the years, I, I would like pick up a kid to tutor here and there. So mostly it was one income and 
lots of little sacrifices here and there, but never, thankfully, never to the point where, you know, it was super duper uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry. No, no. I to cut that out. I thought my phone was off. Ah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I, I find that, um, I don't know, the more people I think hear stories about how you can make these small changes that can lead to what you want. It, it's just empowering to know that like you have a choice that you're not stuck and that, you know, making little tiny sacrifices or letting go of things in order to up-level what your evolving priorities are. I think it's totally possible. And I don't know, I just want to keep saying that to motivate other people that, you know, there's not, you know, you're not in a box. Like there, there were so many options and small changes that can lead to, to what you do want to happen. And right. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, um, we, we, um, we bought secondhand plenty of times, you know, and that was mm. actually fun for us. So we'd go to yard sales, we'd get <laughs> Legos that way. And then I did sort of institute this sort of accidental, but we, um, are you familiar with Craigslist? Yes. My uh, okay. father-in-law is like a Craigslist expert. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was super big when my son was young. And it, of course, now with Facebook marketplace and all these other avenues to sell things that, that seems to have kind of gone onto the back burner, but we would get on there and find things and sell things. So if we were done with something, I'd put it on Craigslist and we'd, okay, it's gone now. And, yeah. and we'd exchange and then we would take that money and we would maybe buy something new for him. And he even got to the point, my son, when he was like, mom, I'm done with this. Can we sell it on Craigslist? <laughs> <laughs> and so we just sort of, and, and, and part of that was also, at least in my mind with the idea that I wanted him to recognize that things um, can have value and be valuable for a time, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to sit around on a shelf and then just collect dust and never be used again. And it's like, let's let somebody else have it now and it can live in another space. And then, you know, so and our home is not huge. So I didn't want to have boxes and boxes of stuff. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we really emphasize the sort of rotating things over. And if there were things that he wanted to keep, obviously we made it work and that's where bins under the bed are the best because you just get those little crack on those lids, throw everything in there and roll them out of the way. Oh, I love that. The seasonality of items like coming mm-hmm. in and then leaving. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Lucille, so my daughter is, she's going to be four in June. So she's over okay. three and a half now, but we, so we, when we first started this podcast, it was very much, um, I guess you could label it as minimalism. We went down this rabbit hole of just realizing how our time and energy was spent. And we let go of so many physical items that were taking up space in our, in our heads, in our lives, you know, in our time. And Lucille, we have this one in one out rule with her toys. And, you know, now she'll like, I really want this toy. I really want this toy. And I was like, she'll find another toy. in one of her bins, like, can we give this away? So it's kind of cute to see like, (laughs) that's her version of like, can we sell this on Craigslist? It's like, can we give this to another kid? And I'm like, okay. Right. Right. Well, and I will say my daughter was very different because she, and gosh, I tell you, you know, the genetics run strong. Let's just put it that way. Cause <laughs> that my, my husband definitely likes to hang on to things. And I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist in that I'm, you know, I'm done. Let's move it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that shirt I've worn and I've had it for five years. I'm ready for that to go or whatever, you know, just like I, I can move. He's got clothes from <laughs> probably 1990 like, <laughs> you know, to the point where, yeah, my son is coming in and be like, dad, can I wear your, can I wear this Patagonia, whatever it is, you know, like he's, <laughs> really into that vintage stuff for sure. Um, but she would 
if I was taking like a pile of things to Goodwill or to donate somewhere, she would come and be like, can I see that box? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Yes, you can. And there were things where I thought she would be done with. And, you know, that's my fault. I I should have asked her permission on some of those um, toys that, that I thought maybe were ready to see another life somewhere else. And she would be, why are you getting rid of that? That's mine. That's my childhood. She would say, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh God. Um, I was like, you're all right. And nope, we can put that right back in the closet. Oh. Um, yeah, she was, she was interesting, but I say that cause that's the way my husband is. And I was like, wow, you know, and it's not like he was very vocal about those sorts of things in front of her. So, um, you know, it could be a coincidence, but it, it yeah. was wild to watch. And, and now of course she's older and has a totally different perspective. And, and that probably changed, I would say around like 11, 10, 11, maybe. Mm. Um, but I, I learned very fast. I was like, I need to ask permission. That is not fair to just assume. And, um, you know, that speaks a lot to, to the whole relationship piece when it comes to unschooling and parenting and how, you know, that's part of it for me. And that was one of the other reasons why we, we did go the unschooling route is because I felt called as a mom to ensure that the relationship was, um, protected and how, how could, how could I justify having what I felt was a peaceful parenting, you know, being focused on the emotional development of my child up until age four, almost five. And then at five say, okay, you got to go out into this big old world and you got to deal. And I don't have any more control or any more input on how your day is going to look. And I can't really modify things for you. And I felt that that was odd, number one, and it just didn't make any sense. And, you know, you, we were this family that had a lifestyle that we had already created up until that point. And once, if we were to have participated in this school structure, it literally would have changed our lives and, and not really necessarily in the best way. Now I can't say hundred percent sure, you know, I mean, we didn't go that way, so I can't but what I can say is the flexibility of our lifestyle would not have been there anymore. Um, we would have been beholden to the schedule of someone else's idea of what learning looks like and what education is. And with my background in special education, I'm sure you've seen this too. You start recognizing how quickly the, um, the issues can pop up with learning and how that can escalate when Mm. a child feels like they've been labeled or told that they're slow or behind or whatever the case may be. And, and I just didn't want my child to, I just didn't want my kids to hate learning. I didn't want them to feel shamed or embarrassed or um, like they, they, their brains weren't working right because they didn't get the information the first time around or were struggling or watching their other peers be really, really good at something. And then they're like, huh, I'm not at all. So what's wrong with me? Um, where, whereas when you're able to do things on a schedule that works for you and customize it, you're able to strengthen yourself and, you know, kids see what, what's happening around them. They notice that mom and dad can do things faster. They may notice that their older sibling can. So it's not that they're not going to compare themselves, but it's not in your face for seven hours a day, five days a week. Mm. Yeah. And what's well, kind of interesting when you you were talking about the peaceful parenting, like how can I build on my connection if they're not with me most of the day? And the more and more I taught in the public school system, the more and more I realized 
why isn't social emotional skills the the primary component of anything? Mm-hmm. And the more I started focusing on those skills versus content of just like, you know, how to listen to yourself, you know, how to put words to your feelings or how to find ways to cope with stress and overwhelm and anger. It was like, once I started teaching that in the classroom setting, it was like less had to be done to kind of step in and mediate because the kids had all these tools to kind of recognize what they were feeling inside and they felt like they had a relationship with me that they could, you know, tell me like, this is how I'm feeling, you know, what, what can I do? So that's one of the big reasons why I also wanted, I'm going down the homeschooling route is because I feel like those skills are pushed to the side in the public school system, at least in my experience. And I'm noticing now, like when I have conversations with other people, you know, some people, I don't know, I guess you can call it bragging, but they're like, you know, my kid knows all their letters my kid knows how to count to 50. And here I am really excited. Like my kid persevered climbing a rock. Like they didn't give up. Like <laughs> I, I celebrate the skills more than the content because I see mm. the importance of the skills over content because we can learn content and it can disappear. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if it's yeah. not learned in a way that we chose or it's meaningful to us at that time. So um, I, I just love hearing that perspective of, you know, you wanting to keep that connection and how do you foster that when they're not with you a majority part of the day? Um, Yeah. Well, and you also, you, you're inviting in a bunch of people into your lives and into the development of your child that you don't get a say so in. Mm. And when they're younger and you're kind of curating who they're interacting with. And if you recognize that there's not a match, you're going to do something to make that, you know, you're going to do something to prevent that from continuing. Um, whereas when, when, when they're in a setting where you as a parent really do not get to have much interaction with the others that they are in interacting with regularly, it, it feels like you're, you're turning your child over with, mm. without being able to know what's necessarily happening, even to the point where, I mean, I've had people come to me to ask me how to make that transition. And, you know, I've heard things like you can't walk into the school with your kid anymore. You have to drop them off in a circle and wave by and that's it, you know, and, and why can't you walk your child into class for safety? And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) So (laughs) as a parent, you're dropping your kid off in a building, but all the other parents, like you're supposed to be suspicious of them. Like, what does that mean? And, or is it efficiency? Like we don't want all the, you know, the interaction with the parents. So we've got to get started on learning. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, the dropping off the starting of your day, that is in me, in my mind, that's foundational for how the rest of your day is going to go. So if anything, it's, it's teaching us how to disconnect from one another faster. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's healthy. Um, but as far as this emotional piece and, and, um, no, I, I agree with you. And I, we, you know, there were, there were uh, people that would come into the schools to teach various different extracurricular, if you will, um, and specials, I think they were called in some schools where, you know, there would be some discussions about emotions and feelings. Um, there's even a program that I participated in. It was mindful, a mindful educators program. And the idea was that all these individuals would be trained in mindfulness, and then they would work with schools and go in and talk to the children in their regular classrooms 
and teach them some things like you said about, okay, I feel a certain way. What can I do about them and teach them about being mindful and sitting quietly and sort of breathing and, and, and feeling um, their ideas come into their brain, into their minds and out and just making them be more aware, but it's like a piece of Mm -hmm. their day. And maybe it's not even, but once a week, whereas to me, that's the foundation on which to grow. So we're asking our kids to let go of that entire part of themselves, the emotional side of them, the physiological side of them in order to come into a building and start learning. And we know that if you're under duress or if there's a chaotic home environment, or if you haven't eaten, or if you haven't slept well, learning's not going to happen. Not in the way that, not in the way that you want it to, they might sit there and look at you and maybe they'll do their worksheet, but it's not learning in the way that we really, really want learning to be. Um, So I wrote a, I wrote a, um, an essay for um, the Alliance for self-directed education. Are you familiar with No, I'm not. Okay. So they um, started, I want to say like five, six years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, And so it's self-directed.org. And um, the essay was healing humanity, one reconnected learner at a time. And I went into that social emotional piece there because it, you know, that's the part for me that really, I feel that is the one that we should focus on so much more than can you do your math facts at age eight, Mm -hmm. but you don't know how to deal with conflict. So we should reverse it. You know, we, we need to learn how to be able to recognize how we're feeling, put words to how we're feeling, and then interact with one another in a way that makes it that we can get to a resolution and understand one another and be seen and heard. Cause that's kind of what children need, right? They, that's what all humans want. A hundred percent. It's, it's funny you say that about like communication because Nick and I did a podcast just about COVID and we were really nervous on how to share our experience mm-hmm. on decisions we made. And, and we, I, I had to read a book called like controversial conversations. I had to oh, learn yeah. how to talk about topics that could be a seen in a different perspectives and like how to do it in the most efficient and kind way, because I haven't learned how to do that. And it's like, this is a skill of communication that you think would be integrated in our education system, but it's not. So I, I, I feel very aligned with how you feel on like the skills or areas of interest that I think are foundational for us as humans are, are left behind and are just like an elective or a once a week or once a month. And I witnessed that in the public school setting. And I was just kind of like, this is absurd. I had so many like question marks, like why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so, and I think, yeah. you know, we probably could go through the history of, of why our school system is the way it is, but I think oh, yeah. eventually, you know, of course it's gotten more into um, it's, it's broadened. It's, like originally it was more home and then school was just a piece, right? Something mm-hmm. that the kids did for a little while. And then over the years, it's become a bigger and bigger and bigger chunk of a child's day and a child's life. Um, and when you really think about how much school has infiltrated, if you will, family mm-hmm. life, it's it's pretty mag- pretty big. And when kids come home, it's not they're, they're done with school. They have schoolwork now. And then they have a project and then they might have to worry about something that's due three weeks from now. So they have a family 
well, too bad. You got to work on this project that's due a week when you come back from your family vacation. So it's almost like it's just constantly there, even when you're not in the classroom. And so it's what I find is that it's, it's taken over too much of a child's childhood Mm. versus it being a supplemental piece to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, So like through all of this, the process of, you know, you being there to help your kids learn. Well, you're more like the watcher, the observer. I love how you put that. Um, how are you making time for yourself to, to kind of hone in on your emotional skills as well by modeling to your kids, like the foundation that you think is so important for us? Well, I mean, I, over the years, I feel like that community piece was really important and having other parents and other moms to interact with and to know that my children were safe and comfortable with them. So if I, you know, had somewhere to go or needed to do something and I knew I had a group of people I could trust with my children. And we also have family in town too. So very fortunate about that. My mom um, was, has since passed away, but she was here for a large part of my children's early, early years. She passed away my daughter right after my daughter turned eight. Um, And my husband's parents are here and they were, you know, very much a part of their younger years And of course, now that they're older, they do their own thing and we all sort of have our own schedules that we create. So I have plenty of quote unquote mom time, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I did make intentional decisions to either enroll in an activity or a class. And um, if there was something I wanted to learn and I was very talkative about that with my children, I'd be like, oh, this is happening and I really want to do it. And I'm going to sign up for it because I wanted them to understand and see what that looked like. I wanted to model that behavior for them. And it definitely, it's like a, it's either Carl Young or I'm pretty sure it was him, you know, don't, don't become a martyr in the service of your children. They need to see you living your lives in order to see what that looks like. So if I'm curious about something, I go and search it out and I learn and Hopefully, you know, they will, even if they're not doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which I don't expect them to do, you know, follow it in completely in my footsteps, but more in the um, examples that I'm setting of, oh, I didn't know how to do that, but I went and made myself learn how to do it. Like podcasting, mm. for example, I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> I mean, and look, we were talking about how you do your college and your school and, you know, planning for your future. I didn't know in 1995 that podcasts would exist. Podcasting would exist. You know, I right. have not prepared for that. <laughs> so it's a new thing. And so what better way to teach your kids how to be a lifelong learner than to show them that you can continue to learn no matter what age you are mm. and no matter what your interests are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, making time for myself has been just pieces here and there, especially when they were younger. I would say, you know, I just loved being with my kids. I know maybe that makes me weird, but not at all. we just had so much fun together. And, um, you know, when we'd be outside running around or going on an adventure, there were so many activities that we did that I got fulfillment out of too, <laughs> you know? So it was, yes. a, it was like, we were both enjoying wherever we were. And if there were things that my kids wanted to do that I wasn't hundred percent into, I would let them know. I was like, I'm going along for the ride, but it's bringing you joy. So it's bringing me joy, you know? Yes. Um, <clears throat> sorry. There, sorry. I had to have something to drink. Real quick. No, no, no worry. <laughs> I've been sipping throughout. <laughs> no, I, I totally relate on um, when we moved. So we moved recently to Charlottesville, Virginia, and 
Lucille has been like my, my best, my best friend. Like we get to go park hopping and I'm like, I couldn't do this as an adult by myself. Like how weird and creepy would that be? (laughs) I just want to check out all the kids parks. Like, yeah, I'm having so much fun learn and exploring like by her side. I feel like we're just co-learning together, which is just so rad that, you know, I I get to do this alongside her and I'm learning so many new things, just being her mom. Like, um, she's probably teaching me way more than I'm even teaching her. So, um, Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. They open us up to a whole different world if we're if we're open to it. You know, if we're wanting to see things, and you know, when we see things through their eyes, it 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 does things to us. It makes mm. us realize how wow we I didn't get to do this when I was younger, or that's an activity I might want to pursue more, and I have the time to do it now. And that is one thing I do love about the self directed way of, of of looking at learning is that kids really get to be they really get to dive deeply into whatever topic that they're interested in. Mm. And there's so many times where my kids have learned stuff that if they, if it was up to me, they wouldn't have gotten as far because I, my knowledge would have only gone to to a certain level. And then it would have been just sort of like, okay, now we're done with that because I don't have any more knowledge to share with you, but because they are able to say, I want to learn about building a computer. I want to learn about art or I want to learn about horses, whatever it is then they can just find all the different ways of learning about whatever that topic is. And um, they learn from people who are experts in it. You know, that is one beauty of technology is they can hop on YouTube and type in equestrian or whatever, anything specific and um, you know, they can make it happen. And I think that's a fear that many parents have that maybe want to homeschool, but they're, they're really fearful of like, I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. And a lot of them always refer to like some kind of math. Like, I don't know common core math and I don't know this. And it's like, (laughs) you don't have to know it all. Like, it's actually great when you admit, like, I don't know how to do this or I don't remember. And there's Mm -hmm. so many avenues and resources out there for our kids to gravitate towards. And it's so cool to see when we let go and they're like, I got this, like, I can do this. I can research it myself. I've actually Mm -hmm. found better resources than you did. I'm like, okay, I'm so glad that you're, yeah, you know? So I think that's, that's a big fear that a lot of people have, but it's really like letting go and realizing that we're never going to know, we're not going to be an expert in everything. We couldn't possibly. (laughs) No, it's impossible for sure. And, and, and it's also, um, to sit down without the cut the child's input and create a plan for their learning. Mm -hmm. You know, how fun is that for the person that's supposed to be learning? (laughs) It's like basically being in a relationship with somebody who's like, here are all the vacations we're going to take. And here's the house we're going to live in. And here's the car we're going to drive. And you get no input because you're learning. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. You know? And uh, the other piece I would add to, as far as the community and then also helping kind of getting out of your own way is that, and, and a lot of this can boil down to personality types to the parents, but, and I had to get really good at asking questions to people outside of our circle. And, and by that, I mean, like if my kids was so a good example would be my daughter loves animals and my son does too, but you know how she just, she just, she's into animals. And um, I've found out about a naturalist who has a home, um, like a home, a museum basically with all these animals in them. And, and I, I contacted him and I said, Hey, you know, I have children and we are a little homeschool group. We would love to come visit. We'll pay you whatever, you know, just let us know how and how that would work. And point being is I, when you, when our kids are interested in something, look around your community and see who has 
whatever it is that they're interested in that could offer either some mentorship or, you know, a a one-on-one meeting or a way to observe something. And that to me is just the best kind of learning because you've already tapped into whatever their interests are, you know, and now you're just connecting them to resources and connecting them to whatever the activity is. And so we were able to go and hold, like they held a little baby owl, you know, they got to see birds and, um, it it was just so much fun and snakes, you know, and all these things out, but (laughs) Hey, they were having a great time and I'm just taking the pictures and enjoying it with them. But so that's an idea, you know, they've been able to see, um, a blacksmith and their shop because somebody that was in our homeschool community, her, that was what her husband did. And so it really is just, you're not only observing your kids, but you're also observing the greater community and seeing Mm. where all these places are that you can tap into. And people love to share their skills with kids. You know, they, they, if, if it's something that they've been doing all their lives and they love it, they have an attachment to it. So what better way to share your joy with something than to, you know, share it with a bunch of children who are interested too. Um, so I, yeah, you, I think being a homeschooling parent, it, it does, it does require you to take a little, little extra effort to maybe even step out of your own comfort zone and try to make connections with people and companies or organizations. And, um, and I've, I've found time and time again, people are more than willing to say yes. Yeah. And it kind of makes you realize that you don't have to have a degree to be a good teacher. Mm-mm. To me, the best teachers are the ones who are enthusiastic and passionate about a specific topic or interest. And they share their experience because I feel that energy. Like they're so like enamored by what they're doing or what they're able to do. And when they share it because they love it, it's like that energy and that joy soaks into you. And you're like, I want to be that way about something, you know? So it's, it's this great realization too. I think that anybody's a teacher. Yes, for sure. Even our kids, our kids are teachers to us. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times they've come to me with stuff and I've been like, wow, I had no idea. Or thank you for sharing that with me or, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and there's been times when we've done stuff that they've done, they're done with it. And I'm like, but I'm not, I'm going to go take this book and read a little more, you know, like it, yeah. it's, it, it's, yeah, it's just learning is a forever thing. And, um, it doesn't have to happen in exactly the way that it's been happening, you know, all these generations before us and that school is an option. I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not saying that it's completely hundred percent out for, for us even, you know, I mean, my daughter's 15 and I I just say every year we talk about what our years look like and we talk about what we want to do the next year and, and we go from there, Mm. which does give me freedom too. It gives me that. I feel like I can breathe to know that, you know, we didn't sign up for something when they were five years old that we committed ourselves to for the next, you know, 10 years or 12, 13 years. It's like we committed to it at the moment and for the year. And then, you know, if we want to retool, we can. I love that. Just having like flexibility and, and changing and flowing with whatever your family needs at that moment or time or what your kids needs are. And I guess that brings me back. I know we're, um, we're coming full circle soon, but what are your values for your family? Oh, wow. Um, I, oh. I would say that that to just validate each person's experience and ensure that everybody feels like they have a voice and um, to recognize, you know, we're all humans, we're all trying our best 
And when we aren't, we need somebody to let us know when we're not. (laughs) (laughs) So I try to keep it real with them in that way. You know, my my son, there was an adorable video that went around, I don't know, maybe six years ago. It was this little girl and she was on the stairs and she was talking about being steady. I don't know if you saw this. It was just so cute. And she was like, mom, you know, when you get upset, you just need to be steady, just steady. And she's just (laughs) the sweetest thing in the whole world. And I was like, oh my gosh. So of course we use that in our family. We're like, you have to be steady. Like you're getting a little worked up. Steady. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, we try to use humor and keep things light and yeah. obviously life is heavy and there's going to be challenges and we've had plenty and we've, you know, and, and, and I try to, I try, I just try really hard to let them know that mistakes are going to happen. That's just part of life. We're all going to trip up. We're all going to say something we regret. We're going to participate in something that we look back on later and go, "Mm, probably shouldn't have done that. Um, (laughs) But that's part of it. And as long as you're staying aware and, and, and being true to yourself as much as you can, when the situation, you know, whatever situation you're in and, um, you know, offer grace, like we all need to be offered some grace. Mm -hmm. Especially to ourselves. I feel like we're like the biggest critic Mm, for our own actions and, Yes. Yeah. I love that the whole, um, nurturing, like individual, the individuality of each other. And I always told my classroom and I do it to Lucille now, cause it was our slogan. It was get your weird on, like embrace who you are, like know (laughs) that you're going to be different and it's weird, but that is authentically you. And you're going to feel so much better living your life that way than trying to conform to other people's expectations. Oh gosh. Yeah. Because you'll never, you'll never satisfy them. You know, you'll be constantly moving and, and you'll be like a chameleon. You'll never really fully be yourself. If you're always trying to make yourself match what somebody else wants you to be. And Mm -hmm. it's impossible to obtain. And I feel like right now I'm like undoing all of that work of conforming. Like, how am I just now realizing like who I am? Like, it's just fascinating when you think back, like I'm I'm stripping a lot of onion layers off of me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, if it oh. makes you feel any better, you know, I just turned 50. I haven't really Woo! announced that to anyone um, <laughs> in, in the big, big, big old world. And and not because like, I'm freaked out about it or anything. I will say I have like leading up to it. I was like having this like, Whoa, Whoa, that is a big number. Like <laughs> it just sounds, Ooh. So, um, I, I have, I, yeah. You're just, you're learning all the time. Like we're always realizing things or, you know, when we're willing to look a little deeper, we kind of go, Oh, that might be why I felt that way. Or, Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, you just, yeah, you know, it's constant evolution for ourselves and our families and our kids. Mm. Well, congratulations on 50 years being right. a human on this magnificent <laughs> earth. <laughs> I leveled up. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> Is there any words or quotes? I'm, I'm a huge person on like words and quotes. I'm, I love uh, quotes too. If, is there anything that like resonates with you right now in this season of life that you want to share? Wow. Um, gosh, I can't think of any quote off the top of my head at the moment, but I would say given my personal journey to this point is that, um, you know, everybody is going through something and we would do ourselves a huge service by not taking it personally mm. when someone is behaving in a way that we feel is not, not the best, or maybe not the kindest or 
um, to, to just remember that, you know, you, you can control yourself. You can control your reactions. You can control how you respond, but you can't control somebody else's way of being and existing. Um, and as soon as you can kind of solidify that in your own mind, you know, it will make living on this earth a lot more smooth. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, (laughs) (laughs) but it can be smoother because you can remember like, okay, I didn't appreciate what that person said or how that happened, but that's not, you know, I can, I can remove myself from it or I can look at it from a, they weren't in their best state of mind, or maybe they were under duress or, you know, I'm not saying excusing negative behavior or bad behavior necessarily. It's more like you can't change it, but you can respond to it in a way that's more in line with yourself. Mm. That's a good one. Just making space for for just knowing that other people are going through something and we all Mm -hmm. are. It's, it's like, you know, instead of immediately labeling somebody being a certain way, it's like, you know what, there, there's something going on in their life that that I have no idea and that's okay. And um, right. Mm. Yeah. And I will add in this, at this, now that we're almost at the end, I'm remembering <laughs> kind of a little, I just want to live in a way that tips the scale of, of my existence towards goodness. So mm. like, is, you know, anything that I can do that just makes the scale go a little bit more towards the things are going to be okay side. Um, yeah. you know, cause it's like a ripple effect, right? You totally. Know? There's a quote that reminds me, like, leave the world better than you found it. And that's. Yes. Yes, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Just, mm. Well, if, I mean, you said so many great things that people could take action on, but if, is there one thing that you want to leave with people that like, if you could do one thing today to like, just be true to who you are and just live with more intention, you know, what, what do you think that would be? Well, I love to write. And I love notebooks. So I would say, just get a notebook and start writing down your intentions, writing down the way you feel about where you are right now in the world. What, what is your, you know, how do you feel about your circumstances? How do you feel about the relationships you're in? How do you feel about being a mom or dad, or, you know, where are you Mm. mentally? And, and then um, from there, just start making intentions and, you know, our thoughts are, our lives, you know, what the way we think and how we process information, it, it does um, impact our, our day-to-day existence. And, um, and with our very connected world of social media, just remember social media is a highlight reel Mm. (laughs) and it's great that people are sharing their highlights and their wonderful experiences. Um, but it is just that it's a highlight reel and it's, um, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't strive to improve your situation or maybe even the way you feel about certain things. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's more recognize that you're, if you're comparing yourself to someone who's already gotten to a place that you want to get to, you don't know what they had to do to get there, mm. you know? So you just need to compare yourself to who you were the day before yes. instead of other people. Love it. Uh, you're speaking my language with writing. Writing has opened up so many doors of healing for me. Holy moly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's powerful stuff. And it's, it, if you also, you know, if you're writing for yourself, it's such a different experience too, right? Like you're not yes. writing to publish something, then it gives you so much more freedom to say exactly what's on your mind and to sort of allow those thoughts to flow and, 
um, you know, and then maybe you might want to share it with somebody someday, but yeah. you don't have to, but at least gets you kind of straightened out and your thoughts about things clear. Yeah. It's, some, it's a powerful tool. Holy moly. Sometimes I didn't know actually how I was feeling until I started writing. And I'm like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I see you writing. You, you have a, yeah. a place in my life. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it does. It's super powerful. Oh, well, awesome. Missy, this conversation was so awesome. Thank you for just taking the, the time to an energy to be here with us. And where can others find you if they want to connect with you? Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. And it was, I I really enjoyed it myself and I'm so glad we met and connected. And so, um, I am on social media at, uh, let them go barefoot. So it's the let, and then the, you know, EM. So that's nice Southern nod to Southern, (laughs) Southern lingo. Um, and I do have a blog by the same name. Um, and I did just start a podcast last year at the end of the year. And it was just an idea that kind of kept forming and I kept coming back to it. So I started it. I did a couple episodes at the end of last year and then, um, started back again at the beginning of the year. And so I don't have a you know particular schedule or anything. I just sort of do it whenever I can and I'm doing it all by myself. So it's self-directed hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I love it. You know, it's so fun to talk to people and share stories. And like you said, it from the very beginning that really it is about connecting through those, those stories and learning what other people have been through because we, we sometimes don't even know what's possible until we've seen what's possible. Mm-hmm. And that then gives us an opportunity to say, Oh, all right. I might want to go that way too. And let me see what I can do to get that direction or go that direction. Um, so that's been fun. Mm. And, um, I love learning through other people's messes too. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm like, life is messy. So let's learn mm-hmm. from each other's messes. And, you know, maybe that helps us, you know, go down a different path so we can avoid one less mess, but there's, right. there's glorious learning in the mess as well. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. For sure. So yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for Jill's episode with Missy. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did like this episode, please do us a favor. You can help us spread the message by writing a review or simply by sharing this episode with a friend. And remember, sharing sparks a conversation, conversation leads to action, and action is how we're able to live a happy and intentional as hell lifestyle. We want to thank you all for listening today, and we will see you again next week. See y'all later.